This is Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. Cross Hope is broadcast daily and shares five minutes of hope and encouragement from the Word of God. Our companion website is www.crosshope.org. Now with today's uplifting message, here's Randy. Sherry Burbach, B-U-R-B-A-C-H from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, tells a poignant story. She's a writer now, but she said, when I was growing up, this is hard for some of you to understand, perhaps, my father constantly told me that I was fat, I was lazy, and I was stupid. I was fat, lazy, and stupid. She said, even when I got up my teen years, that's what he would continually remind me. And she said this, this is why I'm sharing this story. Those words shaped my life as I was growing up. If that's true in a negative context, here's my question to you. What words were shared with you when you were growing up that shaped your life? We're going to read today in the book of Jeremiah in our series, the message today, the God children remember, that Jeremiah says, even the children remembered the idolatry of their parents, which I find to be a fascinating statement. That he's writing to the southern kingdom, which is known as Judah. There were the, Israel was divided into two kingdoms, I think, for over 300 years. The northern kingdom was called Israel. The southern kingdom was called Judah, just one word, Judah, from the tribe of Judah. And that was what they were known for. Their idolatry, unfortunately. What are you known for as a parent? If your children, if you have adult children, doesn't matter, grown children, grandchildren, what do they remember about you? And what words would they associate with you? That's basically the message today. By looking at an episode out of Jeremiah, the book we're studying, how he said that even the children... Even the children remember the idolatry of their parents. It's in Jeremiah 17, first eight verses. We're going to read it together. Let me read it to you. Judah's sin, in other words, the southern kingdom, Judah's sin, is engraved with an iron tool, inscribed with a flint point on the tablets of their hearts and the horns of their altars. Even their children, this is the verse you've got to go home with, even their children remember their altars and Asherah poles, objects of worship, beside the spreading trees and on the high hills. My mountain and the land and your wealth and all your treasures I will give away as plunder, together with your high places because of sin throughout your country. Wow. Is that a warning for the United States? I don't know. Through your own fault, you will lose the inheritance I gave you. I will enslave you to your enemies in a land you do not know. For you have kindled my anger, and it will burn forever. That's God speaking to his people. I want to talk to you today about the father that was an example or not an example to you growing up. I want to talk to fathers who have children now, and I want to talk to people who will have children in the future. 
So we're, we're going generational here with the message. And when it airs on the radio, I'm going to be speaking to all the generations, those who are older adults, those who are middle-aged, and those who are younger fathers, and those who are children, multi-generational. Well, folks, that's a vivid and dramatic phrase. Judah's sin was carved on the tablets of their hearts. Something's been carved on your heart of memory. What's being carved on the heart of the memory of your son or daughter? Crossope.org. Crossope.org. What did your father do with you in terms of your memories? What words shaped your life? I want to share this story with you, told by William Douglas, who was a former justice with the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court's been in the news this week for two decisions. He was a former justice of the Supreme Court. And I want you to listen. You hear a man's Christian testimony in this. He said, I was about seven or eight years old at the time. My dad died a few years earlier. My mother was sitting in the living room talking to me, telling me what a wonderful man father was. She told me of his last illness and death. She told me of his departure from Cleveland, Washington, to Portland, Oregon, for what proved to be a fatal operation. His last words to her were these, If I die, it will be glory. If I live, it will be grace. What a statement. Sweetheart, if I die, it's glory. I'm going to go to be with the Lord, to be absent from the body. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5, is to be present with the Lord. If I live, it will be grace. Either way, I'm in the hand of the Lord. And those words shaped the life of William Douglas, who would become one of the justices of the Supreme Court. Question, are there any words that shape your life today in 2020? said by a father or mother. You know, words do shape lives. You still remember things, whether you are willing to admit it or not, things that your father said to you, your mother said to you, things that you've said to your children that you wish you could take back, things you didn't say to a child you wish you had the opportunity to say. We all do. It's not limited to just a few people. That involves all of us. I want to tell you that story about Max, the dog, written by Michael Reeves. He said, my dog is called Max, but that doesn't really tell you anything about him. The name doesn't tell you what he is or what he's like, but if I can make the leap, the father is called father because he is a father. God the father is called father because he is a father. He's a father who can give life, who begets children. Now that insight is like a stick of dynamite in all your thoughts about God. For if before all things God eternally was a father, then this God is inherently outgoing, life-giving God. He did not give life for the first time when he decided to create. From eternity, he has been life-giving. Did you know that in the book of Jeremiah, we read it earlier, Jeremiah is told by the Lord, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. That is the most incredible or one of the most incredible statements in all of the Bible. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I had a plan for your life. 
Does that upset any preconceived notions you have about your life? It does mine. Where the Lord says, before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. Before you were even born, I had a plan for your life. That's upsetting to people. I've actually seen people get angry at that concept, that thought. And yet, I want to focus in on verse 2. This is the key verse of the passage. Even their children remember their altars and Asherah poles beside the spreading trees and on the high hills. Well, I have a question. What spiritual memories do you have from your childhood? What words do you remember your father or mother saying to you? We'll continue tomorrow on CrossHope. That's CrossHope.org. Even their children remember their altars and Asherah poles beside the spreading trees and on the high hills. There's something I didn't even understand about this scripture until this week. And I, I'm embarrassed that I didn't, but I didn't understand it. Let me tell you what it was. I didn't understand how horrible their children's memories would have been. Some of you are ahead of me. You know where I'm going with this. The reason that some of them had horrible memories of their parents' worship was because of child sacrifice. Some of these people, one of the commentators said, would remember perhaps in their childhood memories of mom and dad sacrificing one of their brothers or sisters to a pagan deity, a Canaanite god. And you say, I can't believe that. I know we have trouble believing that, but that's what happened. And that even the children remember their altars and Asherah poles. An Asherah pole was like a tree that was used as an object of worship. I want you to notice what happened. Let's go to verse 3. My mountain and the land and your wealth and all your treasures I will give away as plunder together with your high places because of sin throughout your country. There is a price to pay for sin in a nation's life and in a person's life. Let me say that again because some of you didn't get it. There's a price to pay for sin in the life of a nation. And there's price to pay for the sin in the life of an individual. Sin has a cost. And there's something to be said about the price that's paid for forgiven sin. You know, when you and I do things 10 years ago, and we've asked the Lord to forgive us, and the Lord does forgive us. I believe that with all my heart. We still have to live with the consequences of forgiven sin. Very personal question, just for you. What personal consequences do you live with in your life from 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago? And I'm not going to be specific and name things, but all of us can think of the price of and the consequences of forgiven sin. We talk about forgiven sin all the time, but nobody talks about the consequences of forgiven sin. Jump to verse 5, if we could. This is what the Lord says, Cursed is the man or woman who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. When you trust in simply what man does, let me tell you what it does spiritually. It pulls you away from the Lord. Do you get that? When you and I put our trust in what man can do, 
and our confidence is in what man can do and accomplish, then we take our eyes off the living God. That's what the Word is saying. Verse 7 says this, But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. Look at verse 8. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. The leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Here's the choice. As a parent, as a grandparent, as an individual of any age, you either put your trust in man or you put your trust in the living God. Which is it? Cursed is the man or woman who trusts in man. Blessed is the man or woman who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. Cursed is the man or woman who trusts in man, but blessed is the man or woman. Blessed is the man or woman who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. Everybody puts their confidence in something or someone. What's your confidence in? You say, what do you mean? Well, some people put confidence in a bank account. Some people put their confidence in a house. They put their confidence in a retirement program, whatever the case may be. And our confidence ultimately has to be in the Lord God Almighty. I love this story told by John Ortberg. Listen to the title of John's book. I'd like you more if you were more like me. Isn't that great? I'd like you more if you were more like me. A lot of people feel that way. I'd like you a lot better if you were more like me. I said a few weeks ago when I was out surfing, and I don't know too many preachers who are surfers, but he is. In fact, I don't know any preacher who's a surfer, but John Ortberg is. There was no one else in the water. In fact, there was no one around us at all except a guy the size of Goliath doing Taekwondo on the beach. He's in his karate outfit and he's doing Taekwondo on the beach, this big guy. I'd been out a little while and in the water, this little kid came out of nowhere, paddled up near me. I couldn't believe that he was out in the water by himself. He pulled his little surfboard right up next to mine. He was so small, he hardly needed a board. He could have stood up in the ocean on a Frisbee. I thought that was a good line, but you obviously didn't. Anyway, he started chatting with me like we were old friends. He told me his name was Shane. He asked me how long I'd been surfing. I asked him, how long have you been surfing? And he said, seven years. He said, well, how old are you? The boy answered, eight. I'm eight. I've been surfing since I was one year old. He asked me about my kids and my family. Then he said, what I like about surfing, this little eight-year-old kid, is that it's so peaceful. You meet a lot of nice people here. You're a nice guy, Shane, I said. That's why you meet nice people. We talked a little while longer. Shane, how did you get here? What are you doing out here in the water by yourself? Oh, he said, my dad brought me. And then he turned around and waved at the big Goliath on the beach, guy doing karate. The Goliath doing martial arts waved back, said, hi, son, he called out. Then I knew why Shane was so at home in the ocean. It wasn't his size. 
It wasn't his skill. It was who was sitting on the beach. His dad. The reason he had confidence in the water, he knew that someone was watching him, someone who could do something about his situation if there was a problem. What's my point? I think you know where I'm going with that. You can put your confidence in the God who created you and the God who redeemed you and the God who loves you more than you love yourself. He's watching you. And he's the one who said, before I even formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were even born, I had a plan for your life. And that's the God we can trust. I think that's a great story by John Ortberg. This passage says something in verse 1 that I purposely waited to use. Can we bring up verse 1? Judah's sin is engraved with an iron tool, inscribed with a flint point on the tablets of their hearts and on the horns of their altars. Well, tomorrow we're not only going to discuss that point, but we're going to tell one of the most powerful stories you've ever heard in your life. What's carved on your heart in terms of memory, in terms of your past, in terms of what's going on in your life right now? We tend to live out of the carving on our hearts. Listen to that again. We tend to live out of the carving on our hearts. What's carved on your heart? And that's your business. You don't have to tell me, and I don't have to tell you. But you know what's carved on your heart like a flint point on the tablet of their hearts and on the horns of their altars. Here were a group of people that at some point in their life worshipped idols. And the implication was they gave, some of them gave it up and came back to the true God. And the implication was that even the kids still remember what mom and dad did religiously. And here's my point to you. You create spiritual memories as well as other memories. Some of you can recall with great detail vacation memories, school memories, athletic memories of school and and things that you participated in. But you know what? Everyone grows up, and this will shock you what I'm going to say, everyone grows up with spiritual memories, even the atheists do. You know what their spiritual memories are? Nothing. Nothing. We grew up believing nothing. And I've talked to atheists. I said, what's your memory spiritually? Nothing. We never talked about God. We never talked about the Bible. We never talked about Jesus. We never talked about biblical forgiveness. It just, those were non-issues. But they have spiritual memories. They still have spiritual memories. Robert Mulholland wrote this touching story. It's a story that's a little hard to even tell. I once heard a woman tell of her struggle with this reality of being an unwanted child. Her mother was a prostitute, and she was the accidental byproduct of her mother's occupation. You don't have to be a scholar to know what I'm talking about. She got pregnant, the mother did, with somebody who she didn't know who was the father of the child. Although her life's pilgrimage had brought her to faith in Christ, blessed her with a deeply Christian husband and beautiful children later on in life, gave her a life of 
love and stability. She was obsessed with needing to find out who her father was. This is the girl that was the product of that mother's relationship, passing in the night relationship. The obsession was affecting her marriage. It was affecting her family and her life. She told how one day she was standing at the kitchen sink washing the dishes with tears of anguish and frustration running down her face into the dishwater. In her agony, she cried out, Oh God, who is my father? Oh God, who is my father? Then she claims, and this may be hard for some of you to believe, she heard a voice saying to her, I am your father. I am your father. The voice was so real, get this, the voice was so real, she actually turned around in the kitchen to see who had come into the kitchen, but there was no one there. Again, the voice came, I am your father, and I've always been your father. That could be a voice that somebody's hearing today. You may be wondering, who really is my father? The God who said, before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I had a plan for your life. That's your father. And that's my father. And that's the God who speaks to you through his word. You may not hear an audible voice like she did, but can you hear the voice of God speak through his word? You've been listening to Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. For more information about this ministry or to re-listen to any message heard on this broadcast, go to our website at crosshope.org. Be sure to join us at this same time each weekday or listen at www.crosshope.org. Cross Hope is listener-supported and is produced by Cross Hope Ministries, Incorporated.